Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Let's get talking about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, it's your favorite host, Zach Anderson, your Oxheimer. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Locked On UCLA podcast and for making it your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe, review. Thanks for your support. Become an everydayer because we've been talking football leading into week three and all the quarterback drama or lack thereof and committal by Chip Kelly in addition to the UCLA basketball updates whenever we have some. And this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. We got some key players to look out for for NC Central. Got a shout out to Locked On HBCU, Darian Gray. We'll talk about that coming up. Jerry, Jerry, throwback Thursday. But we're starting with the release of sorts for UCLA's men's basketball Pac-12 scheduling slate of sorts. What does that mean? Why is that a lot lot of weird language to discuss? Who does UCLA play? Well, Technically, we didn't officially know as to what team would be missed out on UCLA's last rotation as a Pac-12 conference member, who they play, when they play, what does it look like. And while these games don't officially have dates to them, they are date ranges for the weekly Pac-12 schedule. If you remember, UCLA in the Pac-12 had the the you know the thing where some other conferences like the Big Ten and other conferences have those early season conference matchups in early December. The Bruins had that against Stanford. They had that against Oregon. It was a road and a home contest. This year, the conference, for whatever reason, decided against it. Maybe since they said the world is falling, whatever it is, the sky is falling, anything in the Pac-12 conference's mind, the schedule is going to start in late December. There's no random middle, early, mid-December game that just cuts off the non-conference schedule a little bit like it did in 22 to 23. In the 23 to 24 season, the Bruins will start their Pac-12 season at Oregon and at Oregon State. Some sneaky tough matchups to start off with during the week of December 27th to the 31st. So just a little after Christmas, right before New Year's, is the range of those games. We don't know the days, obviously don't know the times, but a unique tough road stretch for UCLA to get their first road games of conference play that early. I know the students won't be on campus, so if you start further and further away, it's probably a little bit better for UCLA to have road games to start. Then you get to play Cal and Stanford at home first week of January, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, all right, last ever home meeting, potentially for, for now as non as conference members between the Bay Area schools. And hey, recent years there have been ex- excellent, fun Stanford battles. Maybe not most recent years, but there have been fun battles against Cal and Stanford over the years. Those will be nostalgic matchups for the Bruins and Golden Bears and for the Stanford Cardinal. The next week, that second week of January, is when they have that weird shifted up week, right? Because there are some teams in the conference schedule that you only get to play once, only once, either at home or on the road. And this is where the Pac-12 has some shuffling to do. When they place the games based on television contracts and everything in between, UCLA goes to Utah and hosts Washington. 
So a very sneaky, tough game. Remember last year, Utah was a sneaky, tough team. The running Utes, they had Lazar Stefanovic. The Bruins were up big. The Utes kind of crept back in it, but the Bruins won that game with a late tip against Utah. They get to go there and host Washington, which means the Bruins only get Colorado once, and they only get Washington State once in their final Pac-12 conference schedule on the men's side. Wazoo was sneaky good last year with Muhammad Gay. It'll be a little bit different this year for Wazoo, but still remember, the Bruins had to eke out a win against Washington State to end slash start the new year from 22 into 23 with the Bruins having some banged up players in the beginning of that Pac-12 schedule. But still, the Bruins got that job done last time. And with the likes of Colorado being reportedly a a postseason team, right? A team that can make it to March Madness. The latest bracketology from Lenardi had Colorado as a nine seed. The fact you only get them once will be unique and probably a lot better for UCLA trying to repeat as Pac-12 regular season conference champions in what will basically be the last ever Pac-12 championship to win as we know it. So the Bruins only get Colorado once and they only get Wazoo once. More on that later. Second Second of January, they, get, they go to Utah and host Washington. But besides all the nostalgia, you get to go to Arizona and ASU in the week of the 17th of January to the 21st. They don't have dates. Both games will be extremely tough, regardless of what day they're on, what order, or the time. And depending on the schedule, especially with Arizona, you're probably going to get a nationally televised game, arguably, maybe, a game day game, right? That's around the time when game day is really separating themselves from college football and they might go on the road and maybe they go to Tucson for UCLA, Arizona for a fun week four matchup in Pac-12 play as they go to Arizona for the last time as conference members to the McHale Center, which will be a fun, crazy matchup, and we hope the Bruins get that last one. The week five matchup, 24th and 28th of January, UCLA at SC. That will be a sold-out crowd the Bruins will try to finally get a win at the Galen Center against Andy Enfield. They'll try and do something to not just split with him or get swept. They want to beat him on the road, and that will be an, a unique opportunity against Collier, the, the top recruit in the country, a USC team that's been put along the same seed line as UCLA, equally as hype, just not as talked about because they don't have seven newcomers. They have the top recruit, and while Bronny James is recovering from the congenitive heart failure, and you hope he's okay. Last year, USC had a similar situation with the player going down with a heart condition and then coming back to play later in the season. You hope the same thing is okay for Bronny James, and if he's healthy by then, if he's even able to play basketball at some point, then that could be an electric atmosphere, and it already will be with everything going into place there. UCLA then gets a rematch against Oregon, Oregon State, Week 6, they go and that hosts the Beavers and the Ducks. You go to Cal and Stanford during the week of the, the, the big game, right? The February 7th through the 11th at Cal, at Stanford. The last ever chance is to go to Maples Pavilion, Haas Pavilion. Then you host Colorado and Utah the week of Valentine's Day, where it's your last ever matchup against Colorado as a Pac-12 member. They're going to the Big 12 alongside Utah. And a sneaky big game, right? If Colorado's season depends on it, they only get one chance to try and knock off UCLA. And if the Bruins are looking for a signature solid home conference win, they only get one chance to play Colorado, considering they're bringing back some key pieces from last year. The end part of February, which is huge for UCLA, 
they get to host USC and not have to deal with students being out doing to, due to winter break or finals at, or, you know, I guess I don't know the quarter system off the top of my head, but end of February, I'm fairly confident there is no, no, none whatsoever finals. You host USC, an electric atmosphere. I expect to sell out something crazy in Poly Pavilion as the players get their first introduction to some wild UCLA home events. You get to go to Washington and Wazoo, their only matchup against Wazoo, end of February, early March. And just like the last season happened for UCLA, you get to host Arizona and Arizona State in their final two home games in March, maybe for some signature wins. And while the Bruins are able to get some wins last year against those two squads, it was the Jalen Clark injury that eventually led the Bruins not to win the get past the Sweet 16 against Gonzaga. And with those games being so late in the season, it almost doesn't give enough time for the committee to weigh it if the Bruins play and beat in Arizona like they did last year and give it so much credibility from trying to shift from a two seed to a one seed as they did during the most recent season. Now, is it kind of sucky that two of the three most important conference games, home games, come at the end of the season? It could be fun. It's maybe more sucky that we have to wait so long for these matchups, SC and Arizona at Poly Pavilion late February, early March, and then it's March Madness. So all that fun might not add to the you know entertainment early. I'd like to see those matchups a little earlier, and then we can talk about them later. But they do get SC in January and Arizona State right before SC, both on the road. So think of the middle of January will be a defining part of UCLA's conference season as you go to Arizona, ASU, play at SC, and then at some point host Oregon and Oregon State. And Oregon's generally been always a tough opponent for UCLA to play. They haven't been as good recently, but the Bruins have had their struggles wanting to beat the Ducks, even if it's at home. Regardless on who's on whose team, that's just how it's been, the Cronin versus the Altmans of the world. So that middle January, early February portion is where is UCLA at? They've had enough time to gel. They can grow and become an interesting team. And based on are they Pac-12 regular season contenders, or are they looking for marquee wins to vault themselves up the seed line? The end, the back end of the schedule is unique because they get a lot of marquee home games to add on maybe sweet teams or split series against some teams like the SCs and the Arizonas and maybe ASUs of this year to become a true competitor in March Madness and build that resume, whether it's, dare I say, an at-large, maybe it's a favorable seed in a favorable region, or maybe it's like last year where they're looking to become a one or two seed. That is what the Pac-12 schedule technically looks like. They haven't released official dates. Their date ranges weeks one through 11. Again, they only get Colorado once. They only get Wazoo once. We still get to see UCLA and Arizona a couple of times, UCLA, Oregon, and there will be some fun matchups between SC and Arizona schools in back-to-back weeks twice during the conference season. So we'll be excited for that. The middle January portion, key to defining what UCLA will be during this 23-24 season with eight newcomers and seven freshmen. So for UCLA football, though, defined by their newcomer, Dante Moore, trying to lead them to victory and become 3-0 and by beating NC Central, an HBCU and FCS opponent. Both teams ranked in the respective polls, NC Central and the FCS Stats poll, number 17. The Bruins top 25 in both the coaches and AP polls. Who are some players to look out for? 
I was looking and watching Locked On HBCU, Darian Gray, and he threw out some names you need to look out for for NC Central. And I said, hey, let's introduce this to the Locked On UCLA audience because they do have some key draft prospects. Chip Kelly's already alluded to this in interviews. What does that mean? I'll tell you who they are next on Locked On UCLA. And this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical because everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand and it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. Second segment of the Locked On UCLA podcast, the Bruins, they're taking on NC Central and what expects to be a UCLA win. NC Central is better than Alabama State was from the 2022 season. And while we don't expect Chip Kelly to have any crazy scenarios where DTR was removed, Charbonnet was a no-show, there's a bit too many pieces and holes to fill for UCLA, such as the quarterback decision, rotating running backs, a deep receiver room, a defense that just wants to dominate, a new defensive coordinator who's got bonuses predicated on having a top 50 defense where against some sneaky good competition offensively for NC Central, they could go put up some big numbers and try and maintain that top 50, top get maybe sneak up even higher in those ranks in various categories across the country and try and give Danton Lynn some opportunity to get some contract bonuses in his first year as UCLA's defensive coordinator. So looking at what Darian Gray locked on HBCU host, he does a great job having not covered just one school, many schools, all the HBCUs. He does a great job, threw out some names in the most recent episode of Locked on HBCU. And I said, hey, why don't I use some of these names and kind of introduce the UCLA audience. If you don't know these guys, haven't read up too much about the NC Central Eagles, you've got a team that's going to be bringing their band, the Sound Machine coming over UCLA's paying for them to bring their band over this is a very personal matchup for Martin Germain whose own mother actually and his grandparent actually went to NC Central so this is a deep deep personal relationship to this game between UCLA playing NC Central because of his late mother having gone to NC Central who was important in having him move from Boston College to UCLA as one of the younger athletic directors in the country at the time. And it was most recently detailed in the LA Times by Ben Bolch, an equally great article. But in terms of players to know, these are guys that Darian Gray really pointed out as to guys who need to step up individually and maybe UCLA has to key on to make sure that they don't have a successful day in order to give the Bruins a thorn in their side during this Saturday afternoon matinee matchup on the Pac-12 family of networks, right? So the big name is Davius Richard. He's a dual-threat quarterback. He can run. He can throw. He's second on the team in rushing. A guy that can do just about a little bit of everything for NC Central, and he gets a lot of the hype, rightfully so. He can toss the ball, but the point that Darian was making, and I, I like to agree with it, when you're trying to 
make a case to be drafted in the NFL or get signed as an undrafted free agent after the fact, when you get these big name games, can he step up and show he can throw the ball, showcase his athleticism in case he needs a position switch? That's not something that's being thrown around right now, but you never know with these athletes all across the country in various sports. For Richard, if he can show that, hey, he can throw the ball against the UCLA defense that's been a lot better than advertised, especially the first couple of games. If he can run, then the NC Central offense, this Eagle offense, maybe will start to click against the UCLA defense that's forced six turnovers, five interceptions, had plenty of tackles for loss, and probably is a better passer than San Diego State's quarterback was in week two. We'll just have to see how it plays out in week three at the Rose Bowl. But what Richard has is a a good combo back in Latrell Callier, someone who had nine touchdowns, nearly 1,000 yards rushing in NC Central's Celebration Bowl winning season, which is basically the Black College National Championship for the HBCUs when they beat Jackson State. Callier is someone who, as Darian Gray was mentioning, he's very underrated, kind of underheralded because of the – the, expo- the the skills of Davius Richards. So Collier is someone who could easily be, he's been around a little bit now for NC Central, a, a dynamic back, leads his team in both receiving and rushing as a running back. And you've got a quarterback who is equally good throwing the football, running the football. You're going to see a lot of dual threat options out of either the running back slot and the quarterback between Richard and Collier. Those are the two guys UCLA is going to have to key on in skill positions. Then there's Torricelli Simpkins III, a big lineman who is getting some love, some preseason love from Blue Bloods FCS All-American as a third-team preseason All-American for Simpkins. He's a a big O-lineman that's been around for a little bit with the chance to get drafted. If he holds up against a very vaunted UCLA defensive front, he could be someone that maybe, just maybe, slows Latu or the Murphys or whomever just a smidge, and that could earn him a potential NFL spotter. Maybe if the offensive line as a whole for NC Central does something to slow down the UCLA D-line, they could maybe have some time to throw the ball, run the ball, and maybe give UCLA a scare of sorts for a little bit in this game. But Simpkins was someone that was highlighted as a guy that could stand out against a very tough defensive front that UCLA provides, even if he doesn't do the greatest of jobs, but provides, hey, I'm going against some potential NFL first, second round picks here. Latsu being the guy that's slowly climbing up those draft boards. Simpkins is a guy to keep an eye on on the NC Central side as he tries to protect his own QB and get some holes for the running back. And then the last one that was brought up by Darian Gray, I was like, all right, interesting. He started with Khalil Baker, an FCS All-American DB, was the MEAC Defensive Player of the Year, his own conference's Defensive Player of the Year in 2022. And if he gets matched up against the J. Michael Sertivan or any of the UCLA receivers, he's going to have a field day of tape against a lot of pretty talented pieces. And if, say, Dante Moore, who I would expect to get the start, barring some crazy nonsense from Chip Kelly in week three, like he's starting Schlee or goes back to Garbers, whoever starts, if someone makes a mistake, whether it's a young mistake and Moore, maybe it's a not fully ready to play mistake in Garbers or Schley because they haven't had a lot of time on the field in recent weeks, then he could try and feast and get a big interception or a big pass breakup a couple of times if they go after him with some of the bigger name UCLA receivers. I know Chip Kelly likes to get his receivers in space, 
open areas for his quarterbacks to hit them without too much coverage. But still, Baker, if he can go against some of these guys, that's who UCLA, like J. Michael, like the likes of Loya, to name a couple of guys just off the top of my head, Cam Brown, even Josiah Norwood had one of the fastest runs on his 81-yard touchdown across the country at top speed. If you kind of get too analytical on all these top receivers who got speed, he's going to have an opportunity. If UCLA even dares throws it his way, he doesn't have a lot of big numbers at the moment, but he is a reigning FCS All-American when it comes to, all right, he's talented on the outside. He can cover the difference between these FCSs, the HBCUs, is the strength and the ability to hold up the O-line and penetrate the opposition's D-line for the likes of NC Central. If the Bruins just are getting in the backfield, if they're giving Dante or whoever's playing quarterback a million years to throw, then it's not going to help out these Bakers or Simkins or even these quarterbacks and running backs that are so talented that are trying to make their name for themselves in front of these scouts in the Rose Bowl, friends and family that make the trip out to see UCLA only play an FCS slash HBCU team for the second time in their program's history, those are some of the guys to look out for as guys wanting to make a name for themselves. Shout out Darian Gray again, locked on HBCU. I'd suggest you go listen to him. Does a great job all across the country covering different teams and different schools for HBCUs. Does a great job over there. And those are some guys to have an eye on and remember, hey, these are players that are looking for an opportunity. If Even if they're not playing to win the game, obviously they are. Everybody's playing to win the game. But it's a greater opportunity for just obviously the financials for the school, individual opportunities. And the Bruins are just trying to make it to 3-0. And these players are trying to make it to the next level with some good tape against UCLA. Even if it's a Dante Moore mistake, think about it on the flip side. This kid might have just earned himself a miniature contract for 10 days that can pay quite a bit of money that we don't even realize just being on the practice squad or making it to week one based on this game alone moving forward as he tries to build a, a resume, a tape, if you will, to get scouts salivating over their potential talents. UCLA and NC Central, both of them. Speaking of talents, Throwback Thursday is going to be, hey, what are we talking about? We're talking about the legendary Jerry Neuheisel. I know I said guess about it in the most recent episode for Locked On UCLA, but this Throwback Thursday segment, if you will, comes just a little over a year a year, goodness gracious, a little over a day in nine years since the legendary moment of Jerry Neuheisel in the big time game against Texas. What is that? What is that game? What do we remember? The now current UCLA receivers coach. We'll talk about Jerry, Jerry, Jerry in a moment on Locked On UCLA. Say you're struggling and you don't have the true skills to get the game to the game on time. You're looking, Hey, I need tickets. You're like, what am I doing on Saturday? You're struggling to make plans. You're stressing. You're like, can I go to this game? Can I go to this event? Game time's got you covered. If you want to get to this game and go see an excellent band that NC central is going to play, see some prospects on the other side, go enjoy the black excellence game. Maybe see Martin Germain in some tears because of what it means to him personally, or just UCLA have a great game and see everybody have fun in this atmosphere in week three, I think you should go and game time's got you to get to the, to this game of the Rose bowl. Or even if you're going to go do something else after the game, because the game's at two and you're like, Hey, I need afternoon plans and I need Saturday evening plans, whatever week it is, game time's got you covered. Whether it be that 
sporting event, comedy, theater. You can do all those things at once. It, it's Los Angeles. I know you can. I've done it. It's easy to do it whether you go to Pasadena and then go find something else to do in Southern California, which is why game time is the best place for last-minute ticket deals. Deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game time guarantee means you always get the best price, and they'll credit you with 110% of the difference if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. All you got to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account. Terms apply. Redeemable code is Locked On College for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Third and final segment of Locked On UCLA for the Bruins. They prepare to see what their Pac 12 schedule finally publicly announced for the most part, just not official days yet. For UCLA men's hoops, the football team prep preparing for the last of their three non-conference games, and then they jump right into the Pac-12 schedule in Salt Lake City. But we take some time to go back to a time not so long ago, September 13th in 2014, when the Bruins were unbeaten 3-0, had a couple of their games away from home to start the year, when Brett Hundley and the Bruins, in his last year in a UCLA uniform, had some big expectations in the Jim Moore era. And while maybe the season didn't go to a Pac-12 championship, but they did end up getting a 10-win season, that big 10-win campaign for UCLA football teams, they tried to match every time since then. They got to the Alamo Bowl, a very fun, successful season. But what was one of the key moving victories earlier? Well, you've probably already realized it. The Bruins taking on the Texas Longhorns in AT&T Stadium. And I know they did have a fun victory dominating the Longhorns in Austin, not too much earlier than that 2014 game. But this one is memorable for a different reason. It came in with all the expectations. The Bruins had won a somewhat tougher but close game against Virginia, 28-20 to in Week 1. They were able to eke out a game against, what, Memphis? Remember Paxton Lynch and company? and all that high-scoring game. We didn't realize how good Memphis was at the time, but the Bruins beat Memphis in Week 2 at the Rose Bowl, 42-35, to an exciting game the Bruins won, and high-scoring thriller. This ended up being the third straight game to open the season, finished and decided by a one-score margin of victory. UCLA came in a top-15 team, all the hype from years previous, a disappointing 2013 campaign, if you will. But Brett Hundley after completing four passes, goes down with an injury. Remember that? Goes down, and Jerry Newhouse has to play the majority of the game, and you're thinking, man, this is a Texas team that came in 1-1. One and one. They had just gotten thrashed by BYU the week earlier, a loss to Texas, and that completely ruins any chance for UCLA to have some good success, whether it be a ranking. And mind you, this was the first year of the college football playoff rankings, so that was important to make sure you don't lose this game on the road or neutral site, if you will, in Dallas at eight, at the home of the Cowboys, neutral site game. About 60,000 fans attended. I'm not sure how many Bruins fans were there, but everybody was nervous when you had the likes of Brett Humley go down, and then Jerry Neuheisel had to step in. And remember, Jerry came in when his dad was still the coach and still stuck around when Jim Mora was the coach. I remember reading something from Bleacher Report about how – Jim Moore felt connected to saying, hey, my dad's been fired when he was a coach. I know what it's like. It, it probably meant uh, interesting when he stuck around to at UCLA in the program when he could have transferred out, tried to get more playing time elsewhere, but stuck it out with UCLA despite the coaching change, which happened to be his own father, 
and have this shining moment in front of one of the biggest football venues in the country in, you know, in the middle of the day on a Saturday, early afternoon, and eventually the redshirt junior Neuheisel, 23 for 30, 178 yards, couple of scores, and the Bruins, who are actually playing quite well that day, had to get a late score in the fourth quarter, a little pump fake, 30-plus yard touchdown pass to Jordan Payton, and with the help of some Paul Perkins runs of 126 yards, five and a half carries for Pop, Jerry Neuheisel, and the Bruins, Jerry, 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 got the job done, and the Bruins were able to go to victory, knock off Texas in their home state, to the tune of a 4-0 starting record before some heartbreak a little bit later. But the Bruins ended up having a 10-win season. Jerry Neuheisel has become important still in UCLA lore. Beyond this important victory against Texas at the time when you have your dad in the studio watching the game, he comes in, steps in, has a great, fantastic game, leading them to victory. The Bruins in a couple a week and a half later put 62 on Arizona State against the, the Sun Devils at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe and eventually had a 10-win season and tuned to a victory over K-State in the Alamo Bowl in one of those fun, exciting games against the Wildcats. New Eyes will now the wide receivers coach after bouncing around a little bit pre-UCLA coaching career, has been instrumental and in one of the reasons why the most recent UCLA receiver commit, Quasi Gilmer, had a full-on video release remaking the LeBron James commercial. He dropped it on the 11th, because he was so close and tight with Jerry Neuheisel. And think of how deep the receiver room is, right? How important that room is for UCLA from J. Michael Sturdivant in the portal, Kyle Ford as well, Loya, and maybe Mokiao Atamalala can get healthy enough to play pretty soon. But they've got a long list, a, a huge list of guys that can play, whether it be incoming freshmen, transfers, guys who've already been on the roster. He is an important part of the UCLA offense, even as we know it, coaching that receiver room and was important and instrumental in bringing in, most recently, a Gilmer, who said, I announced on the 11th because of Jerry. And that was a whole video, but he said that specifically in to multiple outlets, talking about his, his you know rapport with Jerry Neuheisel in the recruiting cycle. So that's important to see. You know, I know we can make jokes about how Jerry and his father, Rick, um, almost clones with the dad jokes, right? And just kind of, yeah, Jerry. But... Every time, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Maybe not the biggest of moments. Of course, when you have your dad, Rick Neuheisel, a coach, a player, everything in between, but he has been an important part, a small segment of glory in terms of his playing career at UCLA against Texas in the 20-17 victory when he threw the game-winning touchdown pass in the final minutes of the fourth quarter, leading them come from behind to beat the Longhorns with Brett Hundley injured, and eventually now is turn that into at least an early part of his coaching career, helping out the Bruins get a pretty stacked receiver room, either currently and now developing it into the future. So Jerry Neuheisel, I know he's beloved of sorts, has the hair, has the jokes, and we'll see how it goes for UCLA moving forward. How long Jerry Neuheisel, if he doesn't get up the staff, if he goes somewhere else, I think the Bruins are glad to have him currently on the staff, which is a very Big-time football staff, right? Ken Norton Jr. You've got Jerry Neuheisel. You've got Ken Neumatololo, who's not even coaching on the team. He's the director of leadership. Man, this is a crazy staff that Chip Kelly's assembled, right? In terms of names, talent, potentially, Danton Lane and Neuheisel getting their starts, right? Whether it be coordinating, whether it be wide receivers coach, 
different guys are getting different opportunities currently. It's a wild staff to think of. But for now, the moment, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. That's going to do it for Locked On UCLA. I'm going to come back for the next episode if you're an everydayer and talk keys to the game against NC Central. What do we like to see? And while it is expected to be a big UCLA dub, what are things they can improve upon or keys to success to build upon that leading into the Pac-12 opener against Utah that's coming up rather soon. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Locked on UCLA. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer. Hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.